This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to A Game of Two Halves, a sports podcast by The Straits Times. I'm your temporary host, Jonathan Roberts, and I'm joined by The Straits Times, Rohit Bridgenath and Nicole Chia. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hi, Jonathan. Uh, okay, first subject up this week, the Women's World Cup. It's won plaudits. It has won criticism as well. Last week was the most controversial event in the US women's team, beating Thailand 13-0. A number of people said it was unsporting of them that they should have stopped after five, something a bit more sensible like that, and the way that they continued afterwards was belittling to the Thai team. Uh, Rohit, what do you feel about that particular event? Yeah, I I sort of uh, wrote a column on this, and I disagree with both uh, things about, you know, number of goals and the celebration. Look, it's a World Cup, firstly. I mean, it's the biggest event uh, for them in football, uh, as it is uh, for the men. Uh, I don't think you go in there thinking I'm going to just stop at five or six or seven. I mean, it's, it's just nonsense. It's a professional game. You go there and you play your best. Spectators pay to see your best, right? I say so. I, I don't think you know we ever tell the men that you shouldn't have scored so much, or you know Germany shouldn't have scored seven goals against you know Brazil. I mean, it was a World Cup semi-final and they were in Brazil. You know, it was so humiliating for Brazil. They should have scored so many. I mean, that's just utter nonsense. And I think also the celebration, and I'm sure Nicole would say something about this as well. Look, I, I'm not saying that that players can't be criticized for celebrations. They can be. But firstly, I think men, you know, the, considering the type of nonsensical celebrations they are in, in male football, I don't think anybody has any reason to complain. About. I thought it was fine. I think there were women there who had never scored a goal for their country before. And that's what you dream of doing. Mm. And there were other players who were really happy for their teammates and they were celebrating. I, I don't think, uh, I, I didn't hear any complaint from the Thais. Let me put it that way. I thought they realized, but this is part of the game. Yeah, I mean, and if you were to look at the way they celebrated, the Thai team celebrated when they scored just one against uh, Sweden's five the other day, the celebrations were ecstatic. They weren't like, oh, it's just one. It was they have scored one at a World Cup and they were overjoyed, as were the crowd. I mean, I don't see how this is a controversy because this is the World Cup and in a sport like football, goals matter. You know, it could go down to goal difference. You never know. So you have to score as many as possible. And I don't think the Thai opponents wanted any charity or mercy from their opponents. That's very disrespectful to them. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a really good point. I mean, you, you you don't want pity. Nobody wants your opponent to pity you and, you know, just pass the ball around and not make an effort because that is humiliating, you know, and that is horrible. And the other thing I think we have to realize is that unlike men's football, which, look, women's sport gets very little coverage, okay, mm. in the newspapers, on websites, on television or whatever. Men's football has so many chances to show themselves. This is one of the rare chances where women's football is on TV. Everybody gets to see it. And so for them, you know, it's a great chance to show off their skills and who they are. And I, I think people to complain is is pretty pitiful. Well, the Women's World Cup has received quite a lot more attention this year than before. Uh, it has turned a lot of people around in terms of how they see uh, women's football as well. I mean, do you think this is finally the point where women's football steps up? Well, I hope so. I mean, even in Singapore, there are more girls starting to play football, you know, more resources being devoted to the development of women's football here. If you read the recent Straits Times article that we did on, on women's football here, you know, one of the, the footballers quoted said, 
that she didn't know girls played football because there was no women's football shown on TV and YouTube wasn't as popular as now. And she said all along, you know, she thought she was playing a boy sport when she was younger. So, yeah. So now this this same person, she's now the captain of Home United's women's football team. It's quite funny, actually. I was reading something about uh, women's cricket in India where a lot of the women's cricketers were talking about how, uh, like the Singaporean footballers, that they first started playing cricket with boys because there's just not enough women's teams. So I think you need women's sport. We know women play fantastic sport. We've seen it in tennis, in badminton, in so many sports. So there's there's an unevenness. Some sports get more coverage than other sports or whatever. So I just feel that the more publicity sports get, the more people watch, the more people will go and play, and the more the standard will go up. Well, it's permeating in many areas because I read recently that the England women's football kit, the men's version of that kit has been selling, outselling the regular men's kit, uh, which is great. I mean, it shows that they've got better designers, I suppose. But also, I mean, people have been leaping to defense of uh, the Women's World Cup. Some was Sorry, did you say the women's kit is outselling the men's kit? Is that uh, what it is? Uh, this sounds complicated, but okay. it's the men's version of the women's okay. football kit. <laughs> okay. It so the men want to wear the women's yes. uniform. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. It is in a deep red. And also on Twitter, people have been leaping to defense. One uh, slight person was criticizing one of the throw-ins that the women's side performed and saying, ha, that's the level that you can expect from women. And then there was a slew of gifs or gifs of ridiculous diving and people, you know, scuffing the ball. Things have changed. Things have turned around. So hopefully for the final 16, who knows how much... Uh, yeah, we hope so. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I hope people go and watch. I just hope they do because there's no point in criticizing unless you actually go and watch and watch a certain amount of it, and mm. then you make up your mind. Yeah, and that's where we'll leave the Women's World Cup. Now, in the sport of badminton, last week uh, there was a shock retirement uh, as Li Chongwei, the legendary Li Chongwei, said he's retiring after his battle with nose cancer. He told a news conference at the Malaysian Youth and Sports Minister's Office that his decision to retire is a heavy one. I really love this sport, but is a demanding sport. In terms of someone who's not familiar with badminton, how big a deal is this that he's stepping up? Yeah, I think he's a big deal because he's, he's a very interesting story. I always look at him as a sad and brilliant and heroic story. I, I say sad only because... Uh, you know, he, he lost so many uh, finals. Uh, you know, he, I mean, he never won an Olympic gold and he never won a world championship gold and even at the Asian Games, you know. And there was always Lin Dan there. But, you know, this happens sometimes in life. You know, you, you get born, sort of speak at the wrong time. But he beat Lin Dan many times, right? And sometimes you can't do it at the right time. But I, I always admire athletes who keep coming back. You know, and he, he kept coming back. You know, he'd get into finals and he'd play him and he'd get into finals and he'd get into finals. And, and that's the best an athlete can do is to train hard and give it to your best. And sometimes it's not good enough. And then, you know, you, you come back and you train. You don't quit. And he never quit. And I really like that about him. I think also the fact that he's Malaysian and, you know, it feels closer to Singapore than mm. someone in, in, say, another part of the world. And honestly, the news reminds me of when Andy Murray was toying with the idea of retirement, talking about his injuries when he broke down at that press conference, you know, because Andy Murray has played 11 Grand Slam finals and he's only won three. So, I mean, Chongwei has never won Olympic 
title or world championship and, and Murray at least has three Grand Slams but it still reminds me of that because you know he's come in bridesmaid so many times he even made a compilation on Instagram about all the runner-up trophies he's received mm. but I, what I what I, uh, what I think we should always remember is that you know these athletes what they do for sport in their countries you know what what Lee Chang-wei must have done for not just badminton but sport in his country that you know he's such a ambassador you know that one of the ways people will know uh, Malaysian sport will be through squash players like Nicole David and badminton players like him you know who who are always there and you go to Olympics and you know people say okay hey, where is he from oh he's from Malaysia so and in your own country you tell young people man you can do it you know you can go out there and you can make a name for yourself and you can be successful and you're athletic enough to mix it with the best and I think the message that somebody like him sells sends is invaluable yeah. I was happy to see that Chong Wei will be going to next year's Olympics as Chef Di Michon. So at least he's not completely gone. Yeah, but there's always something tragic with any sports star's career is cut short, whether it's through injury or through the through their undoings or undoings as it were. So as he is uh, such an ambassador for the sport, what next for uh, Malaysian badminton? Are there other players ready to take on his mantle as it were? Well, the Badminton Association of Malaysia said recently that it would take you know, more than five years to find a suitable replacement for him. You know, so so what this um, president was quoted as saying by the New Straits Times, which is a Malaysian news outlet, is that it will take more than five years to find an ideal local player to match Chongwei's feats. Yeah, I, I think it might be even difficult to find somebody who's as good as him. But what he must have done is, I think be- because people see him and then somebody becomes heroic and some people want to emulate him, now what happens is the base of players in a country, the number of players playing badminton goes up. And that's what you need because it's from a high number that you have a better chance of finding somebody. So I think that's really would be his great gift to Malaysian badminton. And Malaysian sport. Yeah, to Mal- Malaysian sport, yeah. Of course, he also had a great rivalry with Lindan. Lindan posted on his uh, Weibo that he said, I will be alone on the badminton court and no one will accompany me, which is uh, heartbreaking and bittersweet in all, all in one. What was their rivalry like? It was intense, but it was also respectful between the two because Lindan has said before that while they were fierce rivals on the court, they were actually good friends of the court. And, you know, as Rohit suggested earlier, what that can do for a co- an athlete is to have a competitor constantly pushing him or her to do their best to be better than their best you know because there's someone else to beat yeah i think i think definitely it's a version a version of 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 nadal versus federer you know mm. because you have different styles and obviously coming from different countries and then you just play each other so many times you know and you sort of you're always trying to, you know each other's rhythms and yet you're trying to break each other's rhythms. You're trying to do certain types of homework just for each other. And so it's very really intense, you know. I, I, I'm pretty sure that they must have dreamed of each other, you know. I mean, this is how rivalries get. And I think some of the other the sport seems a little empty when one goes because you're just sort of, it just, the names go so well together. You're just used to it. And so I, I can understand Lindan Fing feeling a bit sad because he knows that Lee Chong Wei made him better, for sure. And what he said about being alone on the court, I mean, Federer did say something almost similar. You know, he came back to play in the French Open for the first time in a couple of years. And, you know, before the semi-final meeting with Nadal, he did say, if I did come back, it must have been for this moment to play against Rafa. 
And strangely enough, I always feel that Federer, in a way, doesn't doesn't like it, but he doesn't mind losing to Nadal. But he doesn't want to lose to anybody else because he feels, okay, this man is good enough to beat me or he has my measure. So maybe there was something of that relationship in, in with Lindan and Lee Chong-wei. And on that bittersweet note, that is where we shall leave it for this week. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or indeed Spotify, do like, rate, and review us. Thank you, Rohit. Thank you, Nicole. And until another Game of Two Halves, goodbye. That was an SPH podcast. Find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Do send your feedback to podcasts at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at straightstimes.com and bt.sg.